Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record. And welcome to another edition of the Media Project. It's our weekly look at all things media, except when we're talking about other things. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Ira Fussfeld, retired publisher of the Daily Freeman of Kingston, New York, sitting in for Rex Smith this week. And uh, I'm joined by Dr. Alan Chartok, CEO of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Doctor? My pleasure to be here. Where does it hurt? Well, that's going to say, where does it hurt? <laughs> Judy Patrick is here. She's the former editor of the Daily Gazette of Schenectady, New York, and the vice president of editorial development at the New York Press Association. Hello, Judy. Present. Present. Accounted for. And Rosemary Romeo, that uninhibited uh, <laughs> and occasionally opinionated investigative journalist and professor at the University of Albany. Hello, Rosemary. Hello. Happy to be here. I mean that in a personal way because uh, masks and distancing are coming back, aren't they? Would you like to speak to that, Professor, or shall we? Well, I, I'm very interested in this. Uh, I have a couple of roles. One is that, you know, I talk a lot. Uh, and another, you do. Yeah, yeah, and another is that I run this series of 28 radio stations. And uh, when confronted with what to do next, I have to rely on the media. See, this is where why we call mm -hmm. it the media the project. Connection. Yeah, the Nicely connection. Nicely done. Thank you for that, Rosemary. And I have to figure out what the conservative right thing to do is here and it seems to me that it is clear we are going back into COVID two or three or four or whatever you want to call it. Now, is the media doing the right job in letting all of us know what we should be doing? I mean, I think a lot of people got very, very giddy about being able to come back to the studio here or in life in general, uh, having been liberated. They want to go drink, they want to go dance. And we look to our papers and our media to tell us what to do. Well, we've talked enough here about how each of us relies on media to give us instruction. And here, I don't see uh, that being that clear. Well, just so the, the listeners will understand, the reason I raised the point uh, is that uh, WAMC, as of this morning as we speak, is instituting some of the policies regarding masking, et cetera, for the studio that uh, have yet, not yet been, as far as I know, implemented in other media outlets. I, it may well be going that direction, but uh, you, you decided to insist on masking. We're going to be doing more remote programming again. And uh, the reasoning is? The reasoning is that to do anything else would be silly if you uh, want to keep the radio station going. Look, we have about, I think, over 60 people working at the radio station now. If one of them gets ill with COVID and you have to quarantine a whole bunch of people, think of what that would, would do to your workforce and to your product. Well, so, you raised an issue as it relates to the media, and, and I, in fact, was going to talk about the three C's today in the media, three C's being Cuomo, COVID, and climate change. The suggestion, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, in part is that the media it's important for the media to set the pace and to inform people about the dangers of COVID, etc., uh, I would argue that the media writ large has been doing that, but uh, in the in the words of CNN, incomparable conspiracy theory 
theories, illogical memes, bogus ideas. They all spread face-to-face and text-to-text in a highly personal way. And essentially it's saying the media is doing what it's supposed to do, but it's doing it against these headwinds of conspiracy theorists. So is there anything else the media can do that it's not doing? Rosemary? Yeah, it's a it's a really intriguing article. Brian Seltzer's done a lot of uh, reporting about this. It's a battle to get the truth out. Uh, I agree with you. I think that the uh, legacy media, hate that term, but you know what I mean by it, mainstream media, has done a very good job of following the crisis and uh, keeping us up to date on what we know. Now, that comes out as confusing because the rate at which we find things is ragged. Uh, We backtracked on a couple of areas. So you report on that, and it seems like we're wavering when actually it's factual reporting. So you have that against the crazy media, the right-wing wing nuts and the Fox News, just irresponsible reporting that's clear and straight and direct totally false, of course, but it's easy to follow. It's easy to understand. It's easy to take it up as your, as uh, that's what I'm going to believe too. That's your mantra. Um, and I am not sure how to fight it. I, I do know that you have to resist the feeling, which I have every day, which is like, fine. I've told you the truth. If you want to listen to me, go die then. And, and that gets you nowhere. That means people are just, you have to show compassion and persistence and keep going on and on with it. I think the media looks, needs to look at um, the military right now, which is on the verge of demanding vaccination for all forces. And they, they of course, have uh, the power to do it. They just put a, a you know, a, a vaccine gun to your arm and that's it. That's you know, along with being issued with your uniform. But um, they don't want to just pursue it by brute force. They want to educate, inform, explain, illustrate. And it's slow going and really frustrating. But there's no alternative to yeah. it. Yeah. Judy, you, you believe that the mainstream media has done and continues to do what it's supposed to do. And at some point you say to yourself, they don't want to listen. Good luck. Well, there's a little bit of that. So you've got the legacy or the mainstream media. You've got the crazy media. But I would also argue you've got the pop culture media. And so in that, those cases, you've got um, shows like, you know, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he's mm-hmm. they're accepting um, live audiences again. And, and even on CNN and MSP and MSNBC, you're seeing people have guests in studio again. At the same time, you're having newspapers and local TV and radio stations report about the return of events like, you know, garlic festivals, road mm-hmm. races, the orchestra's playing. It's a very confusing time because in what, we're coming and we're going. We're, we're retrenching and then we're moving ahead. And I think the media, this is a great time for the media to start asking some hard questions. Is it time to cancel that festival? Is it, is that really smart? Um, how much masking is being done? How much, you know, what's the new administration in New York State doing about its workforce, which was I scheduled to go back in early s- September? You know, all three of you um, <laughs> have been editors of newspapers. And I was the publisher of the Fire Island Sun, but we'll let that go for now. But the one thing that I think is important is to try to get into the minds of editors as to what's right. People want to sell the paper. I don't mean sell it copy by copy, but I mean sell it. So they think, what is it that our audience wants? Our audience wants to be free. Thank God this is all over. Thank God we can go and dance again. So thank God we can go and eat again. Uh, and yet, it turns out that maybe that was a little premature. So newspapers have a little bit of, and I know I'm not supposed to use this word on the radio because I get, I get beat up for it every once in a while. 
they've got a little schizophrenia. On the one hand, they want to do what they want to give people what they want, but on the other hand, they have a responsibility. Yeah, hmm. I would argue the editors want to cover the news. It's publishers that want to sell newspapers. Just to, you're it's so, a fine line. Well, but so, it all depends on so what you do. To, it all depends on what you do to try to sell newspapers. I mean, I, I've often used the example. In my former company, we owned a variety of newspapers from this a, a New York Post likes tabloid in Trenton, New Jersey, to the more traditional broadsheet newspapers like my former paper in Kingston. The kinds of things that they used to do in Trenton uh, regarding girls in bikinis and things of that sort it would not, may have sold papers down there, but it doesn't sell papers up here. We would have lost more readers than we would have gained. So, again, the point is, what are you, what are you doing? But I, I've never made an apology as a publisher for saying we need to sell newspapers because if we don't sell newspapers, as we are painfully finding out now, we're not going to be in business much longer. I'm not sure I agree with the thesis of your question, Alan, that newspapers want to push the happy get out and be normal again because they personally want it. In fact, we discussed on this program whether we weren't being too pessimistic, whether we weren't uh, uh, talking about the good news as uh, the virus seemed to be beaten down and might well have been totally beaten down if, if our vaccination rates were higher than they are. Um, so I, I, I think I dispute that. I, I well, think I don't media, know what you're disputing. Could you go? Yeah, because you you said time? that you said that. Um, uh, I, as I understand it, your argument is that because people want to be free and happy and they yes. want to hear, that's okay. That's what uh, newspapers that's and other magazines are giving them. And I don't think that's true. I think they've been, uh, and we've talked about it here. They've been actually don't go out yet. It's bad. It could come back. There's variants. Oh my God. It's it's been doomsday stuff. And we've talked about whether we've been too pessimistic. And the truth again goes back to what I said at the beginning that the news from the science is extremely variable and changing every day there seems to be a new evaluation of where we are and what has to be done and that is so hard to portray because it looks like we're flip-flopping I did hear um, Dr. Fauci this morning on NPR as we speak Uh and he was quite good but I think that to some degree the governmental officials have to decide what it is that they're going to give out So Walensky, who is the CDC um, head, has been uh, not given a lot of credit for being particularly effective in telling people what to do. And uh, and Fauci, I think they bring they're bringing in more and more because he has the status of a national hero. Except that so many people on the right, led by senators like Rand Paul, have put Fauci down, and they and so that there is a, a large segment of our population that simply is turned off by seeing Fauci on TV. Is that the same Rand Paul? Rand Paul, the doctor Rand Paul. Who the media have uh, come out today showing that his wife right. um, bought, uh, perhaps on inside information, he's on the health committee, bought stock. And uh, one wonders about that. Yeah, well, one wonders whether that story will be aired on Fox News or will be believed by people who are inclined to feel he's a hero. A brilliant point. I mean, here's here's the whole problem that the media faces right now, that when you report the truth, it is not perceived as truth by a significant portion of the population who thinks only that you're bashing. I mean, if I have to hear one more time, oh, what the media did to Trump. Sorry, Trump did it to himself and to us. And we reported on it accurately. So it's the well, same one might argue, with- I wouldn't necessarily argue, but I could see the argument that it's our fault in the sense that 
we have made so many mistakes over the years, perhaps understandably so because of the volume of information that we're disseminating, but we've made a number of mistakes. There have been bad actors, and it is in fact um, put a cloud over our entire industry, particularly those who historically have in fact been believed, like the New York Times and others, quote-unquote, mainstream publications and broadcast outlets. Well, I mean, how many people who listen to Fox News today are saying, wait a minute, I want to hear what Alan Shartak is saying on the NPR affiliate. It's very unlikely that they're tuning into NPR or WAMC and getting what I think we would think is the straight the straight news. Well, let's talk about another C, and that's the Andrew Cuomo story, which was the big story in this area and, and, and in much of the rest of the country last week. Um, and I don't want to talk about it specifically about what he did and what led to his resignation ultimately, but how the media covered him, particularly in the years prior to this. I mean, there, there's this whole notion that it's it's come out now. Well, everybody knew Alan, uh, Andrew was a bully. We've discussed it here. Alan's talked about it ad infinitum. Uh, why was there enough coverage of that side of Cuomo and the Cuomo administration that could have changed the course of events and perhaps even forced him, had he been covered more closely, to change and, and admit the kinds of things, quote unquote, he has admitted now? Yeah, I've I've been reading about this. Like, oh, we didn't. We're only going after him now because he's politically unimportant, and so and that the, the liberals, and we're not afraid of yeah, losing access. Yeah, the liberals can now ditch him with, and it's it's just simply not true. Look, do you remember his campaign when uh, uh, he went up against uh, uh, Zephyr Teachout was his opponent, and he he trounced her, but he was a bully. He like elbowed her out of the way when they were at a Labor Day demonstration. Do you remember that? I, that was I, a huge thing. You know. When when uh, Pre Perara went after him and he responded and uh, with with hatred and and bullying that was all covered. We have certainly covered this. Now what's been missing and what's really is different this time is that you have women standing up and telling their story and buttressing one after another. Now that is a change. I attributed that to the Me Too movement, where women have learned that. You don't have to go it alone. You don't have to stand up and, and take it, take the bullying because you have sisters in support. You can tell the truth. And Letitia James did an amazing job. That That's the way all of these cases should be handled, that due process. Andrew himself said, yeah, let the, let the investigation go through. That was fine with me. Of course, it turns out I think he was just buying time. But the investigation went through. The women were heard and listened to. He got a, a chance to speak up. And then the truth came out. The, the the entire story came out. That's why it's happening now. And if you're hearing more stories about his behavior in the past, it's because, of course, you're going to tell the stories now. He's hot news right now. Why didn't week. we hear about him then? But you did. What story are you hearing about now that you didn't hear about then? Pre-Perara, that he that there are emails now that he was he was uh, trying to go to the White House to get them to do something about pre-Perara? Yes. Okay, that's cool. But it's just a little... Extra to a story that we did report on that. Pre Perara talked about it then. Well, well, uh, well, Rosemary, with all due respect, and you know what kind of respect I have for you, um, <laughs> it, 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 there uh, we do we do disagree on this. I think it's a matter of understanding Andrew's character. Now I know the Cuomo's pretty well. I had a show with his father for so many years I stopped counting, and uh, I knew about Andrew at the time and took great umbrage at things that he did and said and uh, got into a lot of trouble with his father for doing it. This is the question for you, Rosemary, and others. How do you report on somebody's character? 
you know, Freud said it was set by the time you were four years old. That was going to be your character. That's been Andrew's character. We know it. But as much as you may say we've covered him correctly, we've never really done a great job as the press uh, letting people know who this guy was. I think I agree with Rosemary. I think there were plenty of stories that, mm-hmm. that talked about what he was doing. And, and, you know, big profiles on his character. There weren't a lot of those, primarily because you couldn't get access. For some reason, those early stories of scandal and corruption and unhappiness in the executive branch or poor treatment of the press, they never got traction with the public. And it's not that they, they would just fall into a big dark hole. And and whether it was because the people of New York were okay with having a bully in, in the governorship. As and you think as they knew that he was bullied? I don't think, you know, I, I don't think the average person uh, really cared until right. this uh, the women came forward. And in fact, the women came forward back, that started to happen like late last year, and nothing really started to snowball until the, the Attorney General's report. Don't year. you think well, the public liked the notion of tough guy Andrew, as you call him, that they, they don't like necessarily the sexual harassment complaints? They and, don't believe it. They don't believe well, it. The, the, we've all worked for people yeah. who are sort of easygoing, and we've also, at least I have, worked for a tyrant. And in the private sector, anyway, there's something to say for working for a tyrant, except if you're one of his or her employees. The targets, but the, yeah. the hard-driving, dri- demands-excellence kind of boss is admired in many circles. I, and the, and I think Andrew, even though people knew he was a bully, was admired for in that regard. Can, can I point out that Donald Trump, the media, reported on little else but character for five years. Yeah. Uh, he's dishonest. He's a liar. He's a womanizer, blah, 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 blah. And where did that get us? It got us criticism for being subjective and biased. So the, the media does have trouble reporting on a character of the people in the news. So what to what extent was the potential of this, the bad side of Andrew, having been able to come out sooner, had not the, uh, as, is, as is reported by uh, CNN, the governor and his office worked hard to prevent such stories, meaning these negative stories, from seeing the light of day. And and we saw in the attorney general's report the transcript of a discussion with uh, the people from the Times Union, where Melissa DeRosa, the chief of staff, wanted that wanted to go off the record. And to their credit, the Albany Times Union editor Casey Silas says, "No, we're not going off the record." Now, I don't think any of us are unfamiliar with the uh, the question of going off the record. When when do we go off for the record and when do we not? You know, I've talked to Andrew a thousand times, and i got to tell you, every time I've talked to him, he said, let's keep this between ourselves as the opening sentence of his uh, talk with you. So um, they're fully aware of that, and uh, the TU is getting a tremendous amount of play here, within the industry at least, and congratulations for saying no off the record. Okay, so I disagree with that. I don't know how you justify going off the record. If they had gone on the record, would we not perhaps have heard the story about the state trooper before Letitia James got to it? Would that not have been the tip that you start working on and you report it out and we would have heard about that when she was first, when the trooper, the young trooper, unqualified trooper was put on the the governor's detail at his insistence because he wanted to play with her, whatever. And, and, And he did not find that. The paper did not find that because they wouldn't let DeRosa tell him the bad stuff that they were going to tell him about the trooper. Had they had that information, they could have followed up, not just put what she said into the newspaper, but reported a full story way before we heard it from Letitia James. I think that's the detail in her report that changed everything. Okay, so is there, a t- is there ever a time when off the record is, is appropriate? 
I can't think of it. I hate off the record. I, Anytime anyone has ever told me anything off the record, what it's doing is trying to persuade the reporter to go one way on a story and not let the, the public know. I just, I, it's never improved a story when I was a reporter. But why would you say no to it? You get the information, then you decide what to do with it. You don't have to use it. If you say, okay, yeah, tell me off the record, you don't have to use what you're told. But you know what they're thinking, and you can tell if they're slaughtering a, a person's character or if they're trying to slant it. Right. And you they, can bargain them out of it. They clearly have been successful in that strategy because I'm sure that they've done it for many a story over the years. You know, it's hard for me to believe that any reporter in the Capitol or any reporter who covers a baseball team or whatever it is you cover, if you're there on a regular basis and you're dealing with the same people over and over and you've built up a relationship with those people, that's impossible for me to believe that off the record has not been asked and has and been, has been granted. accepted. Why is that bad? Tell me why that's a bad Well, because thing. the reporters shouldn't. The reporters are, are the advocates or those people who provide information to the public, and they shouldn't know. Whatever it is they know, the public should, the public oh, should know. Oh, I, I think that's baloney. If you if you say no when anybody offers you off the record, then you might as well say, okay, give me a press release and I'll just print what you want. If you go off the record, you're, you're it's like psychology. That's what dealing with the sources, you're trying to figure out what they're thinking, what they're angling, and off the record gives you a key to that. That was and, Rosemary Romero. We've got Alan Shartok, Judy you. Patrick, and Ira Fussfeld here on the Media Project. Well, I mean, but it leads you. Uh, you know, I think I agree with Rosemary because if you take off the record stuff, it leads you to the next person. Correct. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, you're stupid if you say, "Yeah, tell me off the record," and then you print it. That that's that is just being a, a tool of whoever is trying to manipulate you. But if you take the information and go, why are you trying to slaughter this woman? You know that's crazy. To explain this to me, how do you justify telling me this? I'm not putting that off the record. This is this is terrible what you're doing. You have those discussions with your source. Off the record is not black and white like that. It's all of dealing with news sources is negotiation and and finagling. It's psychology. And so I understand why the TU is getting praise and their coverage of. Cuomo has certainly paid off, and now they're going after Zucker, the health department official, which I think is also justified. But to say blanket, never go off the record, I think you're cutting yourself out of a whole lot of information that we need to have in order to do our jobs right. The third CO wanted to hit was climate change, and it's the. I have a feeling the discussion is going to be similar to the to the COVID discussion. But uh, last week, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a scientific body convened by the United Nations, released a major new report concluding that the world cannot avoid some devastating impacts of climate change, but there is still a narrow window to keep the devastation from getting even worse. Even though it's science and it shouldn't be political, we've seen the people who believe or disbelieve on this matter pretty well split on uh, ideological grounds. Again, most mainstream publications and broadcast outlets have reported ex exclusively, extensively on climate change, yet there are still a number of people, in, including major politicians, who don't buy into it. Uh, I'm listening on this station alone, and Judith Ank is on the station all the time. When I listen to her, my hair falls out because mm -hmm. it's such a scary business that she's talking about and warning about mm -hmm. this report the same. Are the media doing what it should be doing, and, and you can't bring the horse to drink if, even if you brought it to the water? I've been wondering where your hair went for years. <laughs> <laughs> Look, climate change is a reality. Masking is a reality. If you mask, that your chances of getting the disease are much less. And yet, for some strange reason, there is a class, as you mentioned, Ira, of politicians who believe 
that you shouldn't mask and you shouldn't make your children mask and you shouldn't have them protecting themselves in schools. And the same thing is true with climate change. The television can put pictures of the Arctic ice falling into the ocean uh, again and again and again, and the people who don't want to believe it aren't going to believe it, and yet we're going to die as a result of this. Judy and, and Rosemary, the, the media is reporting about climate change. Are we, have we done enough? Is there more that we should be doing? It seems to me Rex Smith a few weeks ago on this program suggested that in, in every newspaper story or, or in every front page there ought to be something relating to climate change that just drives home the point that we're setting the world on fire literally and figuratively. Now, this is a classic case where it's an abstract issue for many people and you have to make it concrete or specific because I think the media is trying to do a good job. I think the scientists out there are trying to convey the message, but I think they need to do a far better job of presenting the information. They, I hear people say, well, there are wildfires in, wildfires in California every year. Well, we need to say, well, this is how many there are this year and this is how many there were last year to make it very clear from a data standpoint, exactly how bad things are getting. Uh, you need to, you know, show the pictures of the glaciers falling into the into the ocean and be more specific because the this UN report it was clearly alarming. But I'm sure a lot of people just glanced over it because it was so it wasn't concrete enough. Yeah, I agree. Abstraction is the problem, and the and I added to that is what do I do about it? So if if you grant, okay, wow, it's bad. The ice is falling into the into the ocean. So what do I do about icebergs? You know, you so it's very easy. And I did it. It's like, oh God, I can't read this report right now. I don't want to deal with it. Uh, the hole in the ozone layer. I've worried about that for years. But what can I do about it? There's a story I read this morning. Fantastic story out of Australia, which um, every 10 years or so, it has a rodent problem. The mice explode. But this year, it's unbelievable. It's like a plague. And it's eating up hay. It's destroying fields. Farmers are going crazy. And they have all these icky pictures of little uh, mice. And I was thinking, okay, now that's a story that might get to me. This is what you're saying, Judy. It's totally concrete. And I get it because I have mice in my house in the fall, too. So we got to do that. And how do you do it every day? I keep picturing a guy standing watching his house burn down in California who was a climate change denier in much the same way as I, I see some of these people lying in hospital beds who didn't get the vaccine are now dying and said, oh, I believe it now. It's, it's going, it may well take the kinds of catastrophes that are going on in California to get some people to recognize see, I, what's I, happening. I think those kind of stories are I told you so. I mean, I, yeah. if, if I were an anti-vaxxer, I'm saying the liberal press is going to show me every person who regretted a bad decision and died from it. And so you, 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 you can't do it with any kind of a campaign in mind. So if we Rex's idea to put climate into every single story, you don't think that would be seen as all oh, the liberal press is just trying to push us towards uh, climate uh, It would be action. there if people didn't, as you, I think, suggest, if people weren't sort of, I don't have time for this now, um, if it's so long-term in so many people's minds. Right. Well, here come the fires, and here comes the water, and here come the floods, uh, and now it's immediate. Our time is up. Thank you for joining us again this week on The Media Project. I'm Ira Fussfeld, Judy Patrick, Rosemary Armeo, Alan Shartuck. Our producer filling in for David Gustina this week is Liz Hill. Thank you all, and we hope to see you again next week on The Media Project. Tingling-a-ling, circulation, tingling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press.